Well, last week we began walking through this first part of Matthew chapter 5, uh, a passage that begins the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus uh, clearly tells us in the first part of that passage. He gathered together people there. They were all standing around wanting to hear exactly what it is that he had to say. And so then he went up on a mountainside. He began teaching. He began sharing uh, incredible words. But those words that while spoken 2,000 years ago are just as relevant today, just as important for each and every one of us sitting uh, sitting in this room today, those of us watching uh, by television or online, wherever you might be around the world. And we have had incredible uh, numbers of people watching in places like India and, and in the Philippines and other places around the world. We're blessed to have you joining with us here uh, in Virginia as we worship God in the beautiful picture uh, of what God allows us to see is that it doesn't matter where we live or where we're born. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. God loves us all. And so we worship together, we celebrate together, and right now we study God's Word together. Now last week we walked through the first four Beatitudes that are found in Matthew chapter 5, where it tells us, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Four statements that we walked through last week recognizing our responsibility, uh, our heart condition, if you will, that we must have if we are going to be all that God intended for us to be. And so we're going to continue walking through this passage through the rest of the Beatitudes today, again, so we can continue to be led by and guided by exactly what it is that God wants us to do uh, in a world today, in a race today, this, this race that we're all running, to make sure that we're running it the right way. Because if we do not run it the right way, we will not reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have been called to do just that. And so, let's walk through again. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start with verse 7. In verse 7, it says these words, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, this one we don't have to explain. You remember last week we had to kind of walk through, what does it mean, the poor in spirit? What does it mean, those who mourn? What does it really mean, those who are meek? This one's easy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, Stuart Weber says it this way, that kingdom servants must reflect in their own hearts the heart of the king. In other words, God, who is our king, has shown us great and abundant mercy. And we have a duty and a responsibility to also show abundant mercy to a world that needs to see it, needs to hear it, needs to experience it. Now, here's a question for you. In today's culture, uh, in today's world, with all of the craziness that's going on, all of the division, all of the pain, all of the, the anger, really, the bitterness that seems to be so prevalent uh, in every segment, every part of our society today, don't you think the world would be changed for the better if the Church of Jesus Christ began living this one beatitude every single day? Blessed are the merciful. In other words, showing mercy. Showing mercy that makes a change, it makes a difference. You see, we don't have the luxury as followers of Christ to be selective in how we share our mercy. We don't have the luxury as followers of Christ to only show mercy in situations that seem to fit our narrative. Now, let's be honest, we're pretty good at that, aren't we? We are really good at showing mercy to people we like, aren't we? Think about it now. We're really good at showing mercy to people that we get along with. We're really good at showing mercy to uh, those who kind of fit into uh, our path, into our lane, into our narrative of what life looks like. What we're not good at is showing mercy to those who are far outside of that lane, 
who are far outside of what we uh, are used to and what we like and that are like us. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the division that's in our world today. We are quick to offer mercy. We are quick to forgive. We are quick to reconcile with those that we get along with or that we agree with. But man, we are so slow to reconcile with people who are in a different world, in a different viewpoint, in a different vantage point, in a different political party. And that's why our world today is so messed up. It's why our world today is so divided. It's why today we find ourselves in a, in a place where we are constantly bickering and angry and going at each other's throats because we are not quick to show mercy. And yet here's what Jesus said. Oh, well, by the way, let me ask you this question. How many of you love Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay, pretty much everybody here in the room. How many of you think we should, as followers of Christ, that we should actually follow Christ? Raise your hand. Another easy one, right? That we should actually do what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus said these words, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I put a quote in the notes if you're following along. With D.A. Carson, a great quote that he had, he said, Mercy embraces both forgiveness for the guilty and compassion for the suffering and needy. And I think that both of those should be capstones of what the church is. That we both should show mercy to those who have messed up. That we show forgiveness to those who have, who have hurt us or hurt others, things, people that have made mistakes, people that have done things that, that, that are certainly going in the wrong direction, but also that we need to show mercy and have compassion for those who are suffering, those who are needy. And this church has a long history of doing both, of reaching out to and ministering to the people who are hurting in our society, people around the world. That's why we have missionaries even today as we have been walking through this last 14 weeks of, uh, of isolation, of quarantine, of a virus here where we seemingly have been locked away and really not doing much. And yet uh, the work of this church has continued around the globe. People like Dwight Pogamella who are watching, they're watching this service, he and his family right now over in Romania. And while they have been in isolation, they've been in quarantine, they've been in virus just like we have here. You know what they've been doing? They've been continuing to reach people with the gospel. People like Ray Clark that we saw her testimony a few weeks ago, who was serving, sent out from this church as a missionary. People like Richard Aubrey down in the Bahamas, again, facing the same types of quarantines. Guess what they're doing? They're continuing to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, even in the midst of loss. Why? Because God has called us. Jesus told us to have mercy for those who have messed up, to show compassion for those who are hurting, and to continue doing the work of the gospel no matter what. And so that's what this first verse, verse 7 that we're walking through here tells us, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Now, here's the one thing we have to recognize. It's not a transactional thing that we do. We don't show mercy so that we'll get mercy. We don't simply show mercy to others because we want to make sure that someone is keeping track so that when we need it, we'll get it in return. Here's the thing you need to recognize. We have already received mercy, that undeserved favor of God, that favor, that, that, that showing of compassion to each and every one of us. Because the Bible tells us that all of us, you know this, are sinners who've fallen way short of the glory of God. And if God were not the picture of mercy, if He were not the picture of compassion, the, the, the perfect and great example of mercy, not a person in this room would have anything to look forward to because there would be nothing left because of who we are and what we've done. 
But yet God has shown his undeserved, unmerited favor, his mercy on us. And so just as Stuart Weber said, man, we better make sure we reflect it in how we treat others. So Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain, shall obtain mercy. Next verse, verse 8. Let's continue moving. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Purity and holiness are not just nice things to have. They are critical elements of the Christian life. It's not an option for us to live lives that are pursuing, running after, seeking purity and holiness in everything that we do. Look what it says in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. We mentioned it last week. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And listen to these follow-up statements of what will happen if we are running in that place. He or she shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, she does, shall prosper. In other words, a life that is pursuing holiness, that is pursuing purity in what we do, God will honor that and God will bless that. So go back to this beatitude, go back to this statement, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, in today's culture, and well, let's, let's kind of narrow it down here. In today's church, there's a false narrative that because we have freedom, because we have liberty in Christ, because we've been set free, as the Bible tells us, that we have this, this undeserved grace, this unmerited favor that God has extended to us, the false narrative is this, is that we can live however we want to live, that we can do whatever we want to do, that basically... We have no rule book, which is why we have followers of Christ who will stand and sit in a church like this on Sunday, who will sing the songs and worship the King and will study God's Word and will go through all of the things that, that, that we as followers of Christ cherish so greatly. They will, uh, you know, kind of walk through and, and go through all the motions of, of exhibiting a life that is Christ-like, and then they will go out. And if you were to watch them throughout the week or maybe watch their Instagram feeds or their uh, Twitter or Facebook, uh, Facebook feeds, what you would see is something far different than what God's Word encourages. You would see people who are saying things they shouldn't say, doing things they should not do, watching things they should not watch, putting things into their body that they should not put into their body. You see... There's this false narrative that because we have been set free, because we have liberty, man, we can just do whatever we want because we've been set free by the grace of God. We have been set free by the grace of God not to do whatever we want, but to do what He commands. And we have a duty and a responsibility. This passage tells us, Jesus made it so clear, blessed are the pure in heart. Stuart Weber again said it this way, any distracting or corrupting influence a kingdom servant allows into his or her heart makes that person less effective as a servant. You know, I think I want to read that again because I want you to, if you maybe have kind of zoned out here or maybe not really dialed in to what I'm talking about, I want you to hear these words once again because they so clearly say what we need to hear. And let me just be honest, me as a pastor, what I need to hear. Here's the words again. Any distracting or corrupting influence a kingdom servant, which by the way is all of us, allows into his or her heart, makes that person less effective 
as a servant of God. Man, I want to make sure I'm not less effective. I want to be more effective. So how do we do that? Well, here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's go to verse 9. Verse 9, it says it this way. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. As Christ's followers, not only do we have a duty to live in peace, but we have a duty to bring about peace. In other words, that brings about this statement that we need to actually have action in our lives that brings about peace. So often we read this verse and we talk about this idea of peacemakers and and we say, well, we just want to live in peace. So we just want to make sure that we, in our own little worlds, kind of, you know, insulated from all the things that are going on around the globe. Man, I'm I'm living it right. I'm living in peace. I'm I'm happy and I'm following God. I'm reading God's word. God, uh, through his son Jesus, did not say, blessed are those who are living in peace. What he said is, blessed are those who are making peace, who are peacemakers, David Brown said it this way, the peace receivers become transformed into peace diffusers. And so I went back and I looked up just in the dictionary the word diffuser. I know what it means, but I wanted to just kind of bring into a little bit of clarification for me as I was studying and for you, I hope today as you're listening, the definition of diffuser simply says this, to pour out and to spread, to spread or scatter widely, to disseminate. So when we go back to the statement that David Brown made that the peace receivers who are all of us because we've received peace because Christ is peace and he came to give us peace through what he did on the cross and what he did in the empty tomb, his resurrection. We, the peace receivers, must become transformed into peace diffusers, which are people who scatter that, who disseminate that message, who who send it out. We are peace makers by the way that we live, by the way that we talk, by what we say, by what we share. That we've got to be focused on this idea that we must go out and let the world know who Jesus is, and that is how we bring peace and how we stop division. I've said it many times, I'm not going to belabor the point. The division that we see in our culture today is not going to be fixed in the ballot box. The division that we see in our world today is not going to be fixed by laws. It's not going to be fixed by any politician from any party, no matter how good they are, how smart they are, how uh, intelligent they are. None of that stuff is going to fix the division we see in our culture. The only thing that can fix our our, our division, the, the, the challenge, the anger that we see in our society is through the peace that comes from Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. You heard me say it a few weeks ago, the world needs Jesus. I say it again today, the world needs Jesus. There are people who have criticized me even in the last couple of weeks because I made the statement that the way that we fix this issue with all the division and all the racism and all the things in our culture is that we need to take the gospel of Jesus Christ out to the world. And people said, that's a cop out. That's just empty words. You know, we need to take action. Yes, we do. And the action that we need is to give the world the picture of who Jesus is and what he's done. That is where the answers lie. That is where our hope is. And so we must recognize that Jesus said, blessed are those who make peace, that we share that and diffuse that around the world. D.A. Carson said it this way, there is no more godlike work to be done in this world than when we are peacemaking. And so we've got to be those peacemakers that change everything. The next verse. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, this is an important statement because this is not simply the idea of trying to be a good person. It's not just simply like uh, checking the box and, and ticking off all the, you know, the boxes to make sure that we're actually being and doing what we think we're supposed to do. It, it means a completely changed life. And what happens when we have a completely changed life is we begin to see that this race that we're running begins to change. It begins to look differently. It begins to bring joy. It begins to be less difficult because what we are seeing is that we're running in the power that Christ gives, not running in the power that we think we can manufacture. The success of the race that we run is largely dependent on the change in our heart, not the actions of our hands. And so we recognize these very clear words, as R.T. France said, it indicates as a whole, the whole orientation of life towards God and His will. Such a life is conspicuous. In other words, people notice it when you're living a changed life. And when you are living a changed life, uh, France goes on to say, and that it will attract persecution. And here's what Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In other words, if people are criticizing you because you're living for Christ, that's good. If people are attacking you because you're saying and doing the right things, well done. If people are attacking you online because you're not angry and you're not attacking others, but rather you are showing the love of Jesus Christ to a world, you know what ends up happening? Here's what ends up happening, is that people might criticize you, but what you're doing is you're shining the light in a very dark place. And that's who Christ has called us to be. That's what He wants us to be, recognizing that very important statement. You see, as Christ followers, when we live our lives in opposition to the Beatitudes, these blessed statements that we've walked through over these last two weeks, when we are living our lives in anger, when we're living our lives in division, when we're living our lives attacking other people, what we are doing is the exact opposite of what Jesus told us to do. We wonder why our world is messed up. Our world is not messed up because it's full of sinners. Our world is messed up because those who have been saved by the grace and by the blood of Jesus Christ have not started living, started living like saints. That's why the world's messed up. And it's time for us to flip the switch, turn the narrative, and begin to reflect what Jesus said. Blessed are those who do these. Let that be your story. Today, the answer is Jesus. There's no question. Jesus came to this world to bring peace. He came to this world to bring hope. He came to this world, as God's Word says, to seek and to save that which is lost. And here's the thing that all of us need to understand. That's all of us. Because every single one of us are in desperate need of a Savior. And if we've never come to the place where we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, that is where we must find the hope that is found in the gospel by simply saying, I believe that Jesus died and I believe that He rose again. And so with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed right now, I'm going to lead a simple prayer. And As I lead this prayer, if you're seated in this room, if you're watching this service either online or television, wherever you might be around the world, this is not an American message. This is not an English message. This is a message that comes directly from the heart of God who is all things to all people who came to seek and to save all. And so as I lead us in this prayer, if you've never come to the place in your life where you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by believing that Jesus died and that He rose again, that He is the Son of God, I just encourage you to pray this prayer silently with me right now. Heavenly Father, thank You for loving me. And thank you for dying on the cross for me through your son, Jesus. I am so grateful for the gift that you've given. I don't deserve it. 
but thank you for showing mercy when I needed it most. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died and that he rose again. And I believe that he's the only one that can save me. So today, Father, forgive me of my sins. Save me today through your son, Jesus. And help me to live for you for the rest of my life. As you give me the power to do it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to let me know if you're watching this. Email me at pastor at trbc.org. We'd love to share the message and share the hope that you've just experienced. We'd love to help you in that journey. If you're here in this room and you've made that decision, our pastors are gathered just to my left, your right. And after the service, they would love to talk with you. If you have another spiritual need, and listen, isolation magnifies spiritual need. And we've been in isolation for 14 weeks. And so if you are in that place where you need some spiritual help, some, some counsel, someone just to pray with you, our pastors would love to do just that in just a moment. I encourage you when the service is over to make your way over to talk with them. And they would love to take you off into a separate place in a separate room, socially distant and all the things that we need to do. But they will help you see the hope that is found in Christ. That's the answer, people. We can try to do all the right things. We can show up in the ballot box. We can do all the things that as citizens we should do and need to do. But let me just tell you, you want to change the world? You don't change it by what happens in the world. You change it by what has happened in Christ. And that, my friends, makes all the difference. See
it puts me in the fire well, I'll rejoice cause you're there too I won't be formed by feelings I hold fast to what is true And if the cross brings transformation Then I'll be crucified with you Cause death is just a doorway To resurrection life And if I join you in your sufferings Then I'll join you Thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.